So this morning we're continuing with our series from Romans uh, called Grace Changes Everything. And we've made it to Romans chapter 5. So if you want to open your Bibles at Romans chapter 5, and we're going to begin with verses 1 to 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction or access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. Now, I just want to start really looking at a word that, that comes up in that first sentence, justified. That means that we are put in right standing with God by what Christ has done. Now, rather than use the word justified, um, I wanted to use a, a slightly different way of saying the same thing, faith righteousness. That means we've been made right with God through faith in the finished work of Christ. And that faith righteousness that I'm going to use throughout the rest of this series, it produces certain results in our life. It's not like the law which had uh, no power to change anything. Faith righteousness actually changes our position. It, it changes our whole approach to God. It, it changes the way we relate to him. Uh, and it changes our lives as we receive God's grace as a, an active constituent of our life. Now, some of you uh, probably, if you if you were here those weeks, you remember that right at the start of the series, we started to talk about Martin Luther and how he... Um, uh, related to God before he discovered the truths of, of grace and justification by faith. And uh, you might remember that he, he used to do all sorts of things to try and get right with God. He, he would confess for hours on end. He would pray. He would cry out to God. He, he would uh, whip himself until he, he, he was bleeding. And, and he tried everything to be at peace, but he couldn't find any peace within himself. He felt that, that God was always angry with him. And uh, the superior at the monastery that he was based at and was teaching at uh, could see that struggle that was taking place in Luther. And his recommendation was to, to do more, to uh, work harder, to devote himself more fully to academic life, to study harder. And yet at the end of all that, Luther could find no peace. And his search for peace really reflects what is a human obsession we we all want peace we want peace in our lives uh whether that's national peace uh you know there's peace between countries or or domestic peace peace in our neighborhood peace in our families peace in our relationships or just that internal peace where where everything's okay inside but most importantly we need peace with god because we need relationship with God. And justification or faith righteousness, according to this passage, means we are actually blessed with peace. We have peace with God. We have reconciled relationship with him. Now, that's really important because it's, it's hard to have any sort of relationship with somebody when you're not at peace with them where there's conflict, where there's strife, where you feel the other person is angry with you or, or judging you. And for us to have a depth of relationship with God that he desires, we need to know we're at peace with him and he's at peace with us. And God confers on us this status of peace with him. 
Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And in so doing, he gives himself fully to us as father, building friendship with us and working to establish the knowledge of that peace in our hearts as the foundation of that relationship. So the key really to see here in the start of what I'm talking about this morning is to see that we have peace. That is, it's not something we're trying to get. It is already the case. It's a done deal. It's past tense. We already have peace. It's a blessing that comes through grace received by faith. And that peace was made between man and God by Christ at the cross and he paid the price of that peace. And it won't change now. So let's look, let's go back to where we were and see another key phrase there. The grace in which we, have, which we stand. We've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Now in Greek, because we love Greek, don't we? That is in, in something called the perfect tense. We kind of have that in English. It, it doesn't quite work exactly the same, but we, we've kind of got it. And a perfect tense means a completed action that has continuing effect now. So Jesus has done something that has effect now, is what it's saying. You, you have no part to play. You, you can't affect what Jesus has already done, and it has effect now. What we're trying to do is plug into it so we get the benefits of it. And so, um, access to what? We've got access. So that the thing that Jesus did is he gave us access. What have we got access to? We have access to grace. Now, if you think of grace as just like somebody who's a, a really good dancer or a girl's name, uh, or just some wishy-washy concept about God being nice to us, you don't, it's really difficult to get what, what Paul is saying here because it reduces down to something small and really difficult to get hold of, this incredible thing called grace. Now, so we have access to God's grace. Let's, can we put the first picture up? Okay. Now, grace, I want, you to, I want to define it as this. Remember, um, in the first session of these, for those who are here, we talked about what it means to be saved. And that the word translated saved is much more than I'm going to get to heaven and my sins are forgiven. It includes health, it includes wholeness, it includes provision, it includes protection, it includes getting a new body one day when, we, when Jesus comes again. It, it, it's the whole thing. And you can't separate one element from the other. And all of that salvation wrapped up in that word sozo was provided or paid for by what Christ did at the cross. So it's paid for by him. And therefore, it's available to us now. So I'm going to define grace and, and grace for the rest of this series because it is the definition of grace as the complete gift of forgiveness and salvation. Salvation including all those things. Another way of thinking, the complete victory of Christ at the cross. 
You know, when he said it is finished, he meant it is finished. Everything that needs to be done and could possibly be done for man has been done. That's grace. Do you, do you understand it? It's not a wishy-washy concept. It's not um, something that we uh, can't get a handle on. It's real. It's everything that Christ won for us and gave us as a free gift that we receive by faith. And, you know, sometimes we describe, and, and, and it's not that it's wrong. In fact, it's right. But sometimes we, we make things smaller in our minds. And therefore, we struggle to get the full benefit of what Jesus did. But grace is often described. Well, if I said, well, it might not work now because you're like five weeks into the series. But if I'd said before this series, because this is what we do on Rock Solid, uh, sort of like course that most people go through and do in their first few months in faith life. Um, If I say, what's grace? And I ask that question out, I get the same answer most of the time because we're Christians and and we get it. And it's God's unmerited favour. Yeah. Or Christ's riches, God's riches at Christ's expense. They're the two answers you get. Okay. The second one's actually a bit better than the first, but it is God's unmerited favour. But favour means He looks on you favourably. His favour rests on you. You carry about his favour. Something supernatural is available to you that rests on you. You have his favour. He's for you and not against us. And if he's for you, who can be against you? That's what what it's saying. Now, I used to to think along those lines, but I found it much more helpful, and and I can't remember who said this, and, and I did try looking it up as I was writing the book that goes with this series and, and preparing these sermons. But I think it's, it's either like a really old commentator called Hendrickson who wrote lots of Banner of Truth commentaries, or it might be John Stott, but I can't find it in either of them, but it'd be one of the, the two. And, and they, deci- they, they describe grace as um, the sphere of God's grace, the realm of his grace. Um, it's a place, like a place. It's, it's uh, a sphere. That's why it's round, okay? That, that's, that's a sphere. It's something that you step into and you can step out of. It's, it's a realm where God's provision is. Um, we can think of that all different ways. You can use jargon like, uh, well, it's not jargon, but you could say it's the place where we interact with the kingdom of God. It's the place where we interact with the power of God. The sphere of God's grace is where that takes place. Um, the way I, I put it in words is that it's, it's the privileged position of acceptance and blessing paid for by Christ. It's a position. The privileged position of acceptance and blessing paid for by Christ. Now, what I want you to see this is that we have access to that. Now, access, uh, the word that's used there, carries this idea of admission. Okay? We've been admitted. It's always been there, but we've been admitted to it when we we believed. I suppose an interesting... Because when I was writing these, it was coming and preparing all this when God really put on my heart just before Christmas to to do this. Um... For his Christmas present, our son Matthew asked um, for tickets to go to 
Chelsea on full hospitality. That's what he wanted for his Christmas present. And so, so we, we said, okay. And, and he said, and, and to do that, Dad, you're going to have to go with me. And that, that worried me. But, you know, dads make sacrifices. And, and the team I support hasn't paid football for several years. So I just thought that, that it would be good to, to do that with my son. So we went along on, on New Year's Eve. Now, I, and, and, and we had a fantastic time. And we went into this place called under the bridge which is like a, a special lounge that you go into and we had like great food and Matt loved it and he got his free bottle of beer and he was he was there loving it and and then they had these Chelsea legends came in now some of us might remember some of these legends I, I, I there's a guy called Bobby Tamblin who used to be the top scorer for Chelsea till Frank Lampard took it over there was Ron Chopper Harris yeah. anybody remember Ron Chopper Harris and another guy called Johnny Bumstead, who was a bit more recent, but when Chelsea weren't so famous, weren't doing so well. And Matt was completely made up because he got to talk to these guys and shake their hands. And he's got photos with them, and he thinks he's fantastic. Now, he was blessed by that. He had a, an amazing day. The price of admission to get in was paid by me. The blessing was received by him. So what did he have to do to get that blessing? He had to receive the tickets and then he had to use them to get in. And that's what it means when it says we have access. The admission is paid for, but we have to actually use the ticket and go into that realm of God's grace. In other words, we have to deliberately choose that that's the way we will live our life and base our life. We... A believer is meant to live their life in this realm, this sphere of God's grace. And once we step outside of that realm of God's grace, the provision isn't there. And that's why it's so important that the things we do and the way we approach God and the way we approach our lives is based on grace. Now, the sad thing is that most believers these days are not seeing the power of God. And the reason most of them aren't seeing the power of God is they're not operating from a place of grace. They're operating either from a place of law, trying to please God to get something, or a, or a mixture of the two. You know, I was, I was put right with God by grace, but now I've got to sort myself out and be better. And, and that makes it really difficult to access the power of God in your life because there is no power outside the realm of grace because that's the power of the gospel. And, and so we, we live from this place of what Christ has provided for us and we receive it by faith. We use the admission to, to, to receive it. Now, Paul goes on and says, it's the grace in which we stand. Now, that, that's... That's kind of even more radical what he's saying there. Because what he's saying is that there is a fight to stay in this place. And the enemy and the world doesn't think like this. And they're trying, you know, if you, if you are just passive about these things, you will find that you're not living in the sphere and using the access that you have to the grace of God. And he's saying, you, you've got to, we stand in this. 
This is the grace in which we stand. So having placed ourselves in that sphere, that realm of grace, we have to stay there. Not move out of it. When it says stand, that, that word stand, it, it's, it's a translation of a word that means establish or fix or stand firm or be rooted. Like you put down roots here. You, you, you train yourself to think in terms of grace. You train yourself to think in terms of your access to the provision that Christ made. You fix your mind on it. You, you, you choose to focus on that instead of what's going on around you that is saying the opposite. You choose to focus on that when, when people want to come along and, and tell you that this is how you get stuff from God. This is how God works. This is how God operates. If you would do more of this, then you'd get breakthrough in your life. If you'd do more of this, then, then God would move. If we only would do more of this, we'd see revival in this, this land. No, we stand in grace. The reason we don't see revival in the UK isn't because we're not trying hard enough or praying enough. It's because we aren't standing in grace and being revived ourselves. Revival comes through revived people. We choose to be revived people. I don't think in terms of revival coming. I am revived. All I think about is Jesus all day. Well, I think about my family and things, but even in the context of God, because I love him so much. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I'm not... I'm not stressing about getting, so, you know, like, oh, God, God, come, I don't, you know. I'm there, and I'm just enjoying his presence. I'm enjoying him. I'm relating to him all day. I'm thinking, like, God, how can I communicate better who you are, what you are, what you've done? How can I do that? And so we, we, we fix ourselves there. Um, and when we fix ourselves in there, we're in a place where we can receive all the benefits of the kingdom, that Christ made available to us through his victory on the cross. There's a, a really, I, I, I like this quote. It, it's from, from John Stott. And I discovered it when I was sort of working my way through some very large commentaries. There's a, there's a lot of commentaries on Romans. And it says this, Believers enjoy a blessing far greater than a periodic approach to God or occasional audience with a king. We are privileged to live in the temple and in the palace, the sphere of God's grace. Our relationship with God is not sporadic, but it's continuous. Not precarious, but secure. We don't fall in and out of grace like courtiers who find themselves in and out of favour with their sovereign, depending on what they do, is the implication. No, we stand in it because that's the nature of grace. And I just think that's a really, really good description. Now, we move, if, if grace, if that provision that Christ has made is where um, he has located everything we need for life, uh, Peter says, God's given us everything we need for life and godliness, uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 2, 3, um, both verses, uh, that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That's through, as we get to know God, we access it more and more. And if that's where it's located, that's where we want to be. 
because we want to actually not just talk about God, we want to experience God in our lives. And we don't want to just say God, you know, like, you know, like Sunday school, Jesus is the answer to everything. What's the answer? Jesus. We don't want to live where that is the extent of our faith. Jesus and what his victory really is the answer to everything. It's the answer to take us through the most horrendous times, the most difficult times in our life and come out the other side of them. It's the answer to sickness in our bodies. It's the answer to lack. It's the answer to, to all that we need for life and godliness. So we don't want to be moved away from the place where we receive that. And, and it's really crucial because most of the things that move us from this place are really subtle. But they're not just subtle, they're actually a good. We don't get moved from a place of grace by stuff that's bad. We get moved from a place of grace just by stuff that's actually good. Now, I'm going to explain that to you. You see, we cannot receive from God by trying harder. We can't receive from God based on what we do. So when we have a mindset, why am I not getting my breakthrough? And then our mindset, because, you know, it might be a, a breakthrough in whatever area of your life. Why am I not getting my breakthrough? Why, why am I not seeing what I'm believing God for? And you've looked it up, you've, been in, you've looked in the Word and you go, there's, there's where God said I can have that. You can't, you can't actually believe for something that God said you can't have, you know. Um, but you can have what God said you, you, can, you can have. And, and so you, you've seen that and you've you got like, where's my answer? And your response to that is, it must be because I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not praying long enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not doing enough at church. I, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. So you turn and you start praying more and you start crying out more and pleading with God more. And, you start, and, and we organize prayer meetings so we can all corporately plead and cry out to God more. And, and we'll do all these things. And we've moved ourselves out of grace. So we're not going to get the answer. Because it's all about what we're doing to get it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Now, none of those things are bad. They're all good things. You should read your Bible. You should pray. You should come to church. You should do things in church. But not in order to please God. And it doesn't actually get you anything from God. We do it because we love God. And we want other people to know about God and, 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 have, and, and to grow and mature in their walk with Christ. So that's why we do them. But we don't do them to get from God. All those things seem good things to do in order to get from God. But what it does is it moves us out of that realm of grace. We're not standing in it anymore. We're standing in what we can do. And we, when we stand in what we can do instead of what he has done, there is no provision in what we can do. All we can do is exactly the same thing as, we did under, as, as, as they did under the law before Jesus came, which is to fail. Because you, you can't do it. Willpower gets exhausted. Efforts tire you out. And that, that's why there are so many burnt out Christians. So many dry Christians. So many Christians who go, oh, do I have to go to church again? Because 
they're not living from a place of grace. They're living from a place of their own efforts. And it started out with their hunger and desire for more of God. But, but because they didn't stay within the realm of grace, they burnt themselves out and they got tired and disillusioned. <coughs> you know, we've had testimonies over the last four or five weeks of people who've been in that place and, and have been hearing this and it just transformed their lives. I mean, we, we were out for a meal with Rachel and John on Friday night, and it was fantastic what they were, you know, like, just like the excitement in them. This is what they were sharing. It was brilliant. And, and we want to live in that place where, actually, our, our, our faith isn't an effort our, 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 because it's a relationship. You, you understanding this? Right. So our Christian life is about a fight to stay in the place of grace. You, you know when, when you, you read these sentences like, fight the good fight of faith. And we think, oh, we've got to put effort in, we've got to fight, we've got to battle, we've got to rage warfare. No, what he's talking about, the good fight of faith, is to stay in grace. Because you can't do what Jesus can do. All he can do is put your faith in what he's done and let it take effect in your life so it changes you and it changes the world around you the situation around you. Now, when I was sort of running through this yesterday, God just dropped this in. So I think this is for somebody or maybe more than a few somebodies. But there's quite a lot of us can turn around and say, well, actually, I've heard a lot of this stuff before. And I don't have a problem because I'm I'm not sitting there thinking, well, I've got to keep all all the rules and all that, and it, it, it's, you know, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I, I'm not a bad person, and I don't do these sins. And, and God dropped me this in my spirit, and it, it's, it's for somebody, definitely for somebody here, maybe more than a few, one person here, but it's, how can I put it? If the don'ts don't get you, the shall shall. If the don'ts don't get you, the shall shall. In other words, let me put it this way. It's not the don'ts that are a problem for most people who've been around and they've heard some teaching over the years. Most of us know we were saved by grace through faith. That's not the issue. It's not the don'ts. We've gone like, okay, I, I, I get that Christianity is not about what we can't do. But instead of that, we've translated it into something that is about what we shall do. We shall go to church more. We shall pray more. We shall read our Bibles more. And we shall do this more. And we shall try harder more. And we shall sort things out more. And we shall repent more. We shall cry out to God more. And we go, I'm burnt out by doing all the shalls. And it's neither. Because the minute we start trying to get from God on the basis of what we can do for God, it doesn't work. Where, where we're trying to be is a place that God is living in us and through us and doing what he wants through us. A place where we have relationship with God and we do because we're partnering with him, not because we're trying to get from him or please him. Well, you go, well, Mark, shouldn't we try and please God because we love you? Yeah, of course you should. But that's not the point. You're not trying to please God. You just do please God because you love him. Are you getting this? These are, these are big concepts. I mean, by the way, I, 
this series has got a long way to go yet, so th these are big concepts right now, but Paul keeps coming back to them over and over again. You know, some people go, well, you know, you've got to be, have you, I, I don't know if any of you, but the internet has its blessings, but it also has its horrors. And one of its horrors is what it unleashes in the world of Christianity of everybody having a go at everybody else. And, you know, you get this thing, you've got to be careful of them grace preachers. Right, okay. You've got to be careful of them grace preachers because they're just saying you can do anything you want. Well, no, they're not. That's not what this is about. Not at all. It's about the ability to live free of sin because Jesus has changed your heart. It's about the ability to have your life transformed because he's made provision for you. It's about the ability to take whatever mess you've got yourself in and turn it for good. Yeah. That's what it's about. And you get these, you've got to be careful of grace preachers. Well, I've got an answer to that. Why don't we say you've got to be careful of these law preachers? You've got to be worried about these law preachers. When that law preacher comes into town, you don't want him around. He's dangerous. Why do we not say that? Because it's easy to preach law and it's hard to preach grace. Because grace requires you to let your heart be changed by God. Law requires you to, all it asks that you do is clean up the inside and get dirty on the inside. Uh, clean up the outside and get dirty on the inside. Yeah. And we clean ourselves up for church. We clean ourselves up for our Christianity. And what we should be doing is letting God change our hearts. Yeah. The answer to all the extremes is just preach grace properly. Just just say what Paul said. Just say what Jesus said. It's easy. You see, when we, so far as we talk about getting born again, okay, so born again, when you first believed, you became Christian. I think everybody that I know in Christianity would say, well, that's, that's easy, because what, what happens, you get born again, and and by and large, we talk about you get born again by grace. Yeah? Jesus died for your sins and you receive forgiveness by believing in him. Yeah? You're born again. So we do that. But then when it comes to life after that, we seem to be not so sure. Not so sure after that first day. Uh, and we, we, we start trying to run our day-to-day -day relationship and teach about a day-to-day -day relationship and develop our day-to-day -day relationship on the basis of our performance. The truth is, we maintain and develop intimacy with God and relationship with God on the same basis as we were saved. We live from faith to faith. That means we start with faith and we keep on going with faith. Uh, Colossians 2 verse 6 As you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That's fairly clear, isn't it? Galatians 3, verse 2. So this is Paul. So the, the, the Galatians had got themselves all mixed, messed up because they started mixing grace with law. In other words, I was saved by grace, but now my relationship with God depends on what I can do for him. And this is what Paul says. This is the only thing I want to know from you or find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? The answer is hearing with faith. So are you so foolish, stupid, idiotic, insane 
all the connotations of that word. You're an idiot if you think, having begun by the Spirit, you're now being made better by the flesh. You couldn't do it before you were saved, and it's not God's plan for you to do it now. You can't do anything out of your own strength. What you do and who you become is a work of the Word in you and the Spirit in you. Not what you can do. You know, um, Cheryl and I, just to illustrate, Cheryl and I had a real breakthrough in the area of prayer for healing when we started to really get this ingrained, this idea of standing in grace, standing in the finished work of the cross. Um, and what, what we found is that as we set our focus on that rather than, God, why, why aren't we getting breakthrough here? What, what do we need to do to, to get you to heal uh, broken bones? What do we need to do to get you to heal eyes? What do we need to do to get you t- to see this, God? And we were trying all sorts of things. And then when we understood that it was by the finished work of Christ that we just had to believe, we saw a, a, a huge change in scale, both in quantity and quality of healings that we were seeing. And the, the logic of it went, went, went like this, and, and we read it somewhere, and I can't remember where we read it, but I, I tried to sort of put it down. But basically, it works like this. So we receive this initial born-again experience. We get, we get saved in, in parlance. Then after that, we get ourselves in all sorts of problems when we do the slightest thing wrong because we think that God's now not happy with us. And so we think that God's going to let, you know, it, it, it translates to ludicrous things. We start thinking, well, God's going to let us die or we've got to suffer pain because we can't be healed if we're doing wrong things or there's something wrong in our life. And so we, we try confessing more, we start praying more. Just, I've got to get breakthrough for my healing. I've got a breakthrough, I've got a breakthrough. And you see people who've been trying to get breakthrough for their healing for years and they haven't got it. And... And it's because we've made this switch from getting saved by grace to daily works for maintaining our position with God. Works don't maintain our position with God. Faith maintains our position with God. You see, if the devil had any right to stop you getting anything, he would have stopped you getting born again because that's when you were your most sinful before you were born again. And he couldn't stop that because it's received on the basis of faith, not your sins. So he can't stop you receiving what Christ has made for you on the basis of what you do. Because if he could have done it, he'd just stop everybody getting saved in the first place. He can't do it. And, and what we saw is that as we started to teach that, we saw people just getting healed. There was a, a, a dear lady who we love a, a lot, and she was in our, our Bible study group at that time. This is before Faith Life existed. And... We were telling her about healing, and she was just absolutely convinced she couldn't get healed because she wasn't good enough. She'd been brought up a Catholic, and she had that whole mentality. And we started teaching her about how Christ won the victory, and it's a finished work, and receive it by faith because it's grace, and it doesn't depend on her. And she started getting, you could see these light bulbs came on, and she had really bad arthritis in her knees. In fact, she used to bring along the, the photos that they took of all the decay and things. It was horrible. And just to show us what she was going through, and she said, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? And we're going, like, we will pray. But the problem was, in, in that case, that she didn't believe she could receive. 
because she thought she wasn't good enough. I mean, Les was there, there at the time and Gemma was there at the time. And, and then she got this revelation about, actually, it depends on Jesus and not me. He, wa- he loves me and he wants to bless me. And she went off to a conference up in Scotland and she came back healed. Like, no arthritis in her knees, completely mobile, no pain, and then got herself a job that involved standing behind a till all day and going up and down stairs all day. She couldn't even get upstairs herself beforehand. And it's that revelation of grace, that we stand in grace, not on what we do. You know, um, it's really important that we, we pray, we read the word. It's really important we're part of church. It's really important that we commit to growing together in life groups. But the most important thing is we commit to know on what we're standing. Because every church up and down the land does all those things and they're not seeing the full power of God. Because the power of the gospel is what we're after. I'll just finish with this, Romans 5, and just continue. Through whom we've obtained our introduction and access by faith into grace, in which we stand, We exult in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This picture of um, standing in grace... The gospel doesn't only work when things are good. And it isn't only there for th- when things are bad. The gospel is completely consistent and level and unchanging. It's an anchor point. So it doesn't go up and down according, you know, the power of God in our life doesn't go up and down according to what we're experiencing. And therefore, the gospel isn't just about, oh, I'm having a fantastic time, life's all hunky-dory, it's amazing, I'm, I'm, I'm super blessed. And it's not all about, it's really tough at the moment. Because in this room, there will be people where it's really tough at the moment in your life, and there'll be people who are having a really good time in your life. And you think, like, what did I all bother about all those years? And, and we're at, every, at any point in time, there's t- people in different places. Yeah? Do you agree? And, and you're going like, yeah, I'm one of those two. I'm, and you picked your one that you are at the moment. But the gospel hasn't changed. The truth of what I'm saying and the, and, and the victory of Jesus doesn't change according to what's going on in your life. Because if it did, it would be pretty easy for the enemy to rob everybody of their faith just by hitting them with a few things. And, and the real skill that we have to know is that we stand whatever. And the place in which we stand is in grace. Our response to a tough time is not to try and get God to do something, it's to receive what he's done. Because when you're in a tough time, you haven't got much left to go to him and get him to do anything. So isn't that good news? 
that he doesn't, that, that your answer and, and your way out, your way to, to get through and come out the other side of what's going on in your relationship, in your marriage, in your finances, in your job, in your career, in your, your studies, your, your answer to come out the other side isn't trying to get God to do something. And it isn't that he's abandoned you in it. He's made the provision to get you through. And, and the answer is to stand in that so you receive. Is that, is that making sense? And, and what Paul is saying is that what do we draw on at that point? We draw on what we've established in our hearts. And that is the love of God. And how do we know the love of God? Because he's put it in us. He shed it abroad in our hearts. So we don't look at the circumstances and go, that's impossible, I better try and get a breakthrough. We look inside and we say, God loves me and I'm confident in him. And we fight to keep that focus. We fight to keep that confidence in him. We keep our eyes on him. We stand in grace. You see, it's like this. Good or bad, happy or sad, the grace in which we stand allows us to come through. Because life's going to have its ups and downs. You're not, we're not exempt. You know, so, some people think, oh, we should just be blessed all the time. Well, we are blessed all the time. But we have to use the blessing in the bad times. Because we can't control other people. We can't control our boss. We can't control our friends. We can't control our husband and our wife or kids or whatever. What we can do is access God's love for ourselves and give it away. We stand in grace. You see, this is the lesson I want you to take away from this morning. Because I'm finished now. When pressure comes, because we can all manage the good times, can't we? It's the bad times that give us problems. And when the pressure comes, we don't fold like a pack of cards. We don't just let it blow us away. We've seen so many lovely believers just shipwreck the minute things got hard because they've been sold a gospel that didn't help them come through. They'd been sold a gospel that just told them, you're blessed, you're beautiful. And then when life wasn't so beautiful, they have nothing to stand on. Because we stand in grace. We stand in what Christ can do for us. We stand in his answer. Because he has an answer to that solution, even if problem, even if we can't see it. He has the strength to take us through. He's there encouraging us. He's there with us. He's there giving us confidence. He's there pouring his love into his heart and assuring us that he's right in the middle of it with us and we're going to come through and we're going to come out the other side. And when the pressure comes, we don't fall like a cat pack of cards. We don't buckle. We don't give up. We stand. And we stay standing. And the place in which we stand is in what Christ can do and not what we can do. Amen.